There are moments when words fail to define reality. Moments such as when the first Russian soldiers walked into the concentration camps of Nazi Poland and became witness to vast mounds of men, women, and children slaughtered by German industry. Moments such as when astronaut John Glenn left the embrace of Earth and stepped onto the surface of another world. Moments when New Yorkers watched in silence as passenger jets flown by Islamist fanatics deliberately crashed into the twin towers of the World Trade Center, extinguishing 3,000 human lives in an instant. Moments when only thoughts, only the very deepest and most intimate of inexpressible emotions, could encompass the enormity of what the eyes were seeing and rationalize what the mind refused to believe. Such a moment was now. As the helicopter hovered immobile over the village like a huge mosquito, it searched for a place to set down its passengers without crushing the myriad of dead bodies below. The seven passengers stared down in silence. This was their moment when words, any words, of horror, incredulity, or uncertainty were inadequate to express the fear flooding their minds. Amid all the noise of the helicopter, the passengers were lost in silence, introspection, searching for meaning in the incomprehensible. Words careened around their minds in an eccentric melange of incoherent thoughts. Yet, as the helicopter balanced in the air, and dust rings blew in concentric circles from the middle of the village, each passenger forced his or her professionalism to take control and they became scientists again, able to focus on the immediacy of the task ahead. Each of the passengers, excluding the pilot, was dressed in a hazmat spacesuit, with two separate and independent supplies of air from the tanks on their backs. Their visors were hermetically sealed against the possibility of external air somehow breaching the seals of the suits that separated the men and women from the outside world. As soon as they were winched down onto the ground, the helicopter pilot was instructed to leave the area immediately to return to the ship. Then, exactly two hours later, when the scientist's air supply was three-quarters exhausted, a huge Sikorsky, suspending a large cage, would return for them. Again, the helicopter would be suspended high above the jungle of Indonesia. They would be hauled sweating and naked into the Sikorsky and would climb into the cage with their samples of body parts, body fluids, and whatever biomass they felt might be pertinent to uncover the mystery. In the cage below the helicopter, they'd dress into paper uniforms and be deposited back on the aircraft carrier, the USS John McCain. Once on board, they'd be no guard of honor. Instead, they'd take off their paper suits and deposit them into a xenon ultraviolet decontaminator. Stark naked, they would be sprayed with volumes of antiseptic and antimicrobial wash, then scrubbed head to toe by hazmat-suited sailors and jet-sprayed with hot water. Finally, they would be hot air-dried and dressed in forensic overalls. But that was for their return. The hard and hazardous part of the mission over, the men and women of the recovery team would assemble in the aircraft carrier's laboratory where the real work would begin analyzing the biological samples to try to determine what new and fearsome pathogen had killed the 1,500 villagers of Minangkabau on the Indonesian island of Kasaruda. The ladder descended, 
until its top was a foot from the ground. A delicate act by the pilot as he used the controls to pirouette at the level of the treetops. The scientists slowly and awkwardly climbed down, reminiscent of the moon landing decades earlier.